Welcome to the Journal.ie's The Explainer, where every week we take a deep dive into a different news story. I'm Sinead O'Carroll, and this week, why is there so much controversy around the public services card? Mandatory, but not compulsory. That is how Minister Regina Doherty described the public services card. So it's no surprise that it's turned into quite the headache for the government. Millions of people across Ireland, though, now have a public services card and might be wondering what all the fuss is about. It's been in the news constantly in the past three years as people questioned its purpose, its legality and even its future. So I'm going to take my podcast host hat off for a second and put my editor one on just to tell you that during our reporting of the issues around this card, I received multiple calls from people in the Department of Social Protection to take issue with various facets of our stories. Unsurprisingly, we got no such calls after a summary of the Data Protection Commission's report on the card was published. That office found that there was no legal basis for a lot of what the government was doing, continues to do and plans to do around the public services card scheme. That was a good day for a lot of people working in the area and two of those people who have been at the coalface join me now in studio. Sean Murray, the Journal.ie reporter and solicitor Simon McGar, who is also a director of Data Compliance Europe. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Sean, unsurprisingly, there is a lot of business speak and jargon required to talk about this card and you are going to explain some of it to us. Um, But let's kick off with what is the public services card? Okay, this is a most straightforward one. So we got off to a good start. The public service card is basically a card with your name and your photo on it. It was introduced by the government around 2011 as a means to access welfare. So if you are a job seeker, if you want to get a pension, you were told, okay, here's this new card that we brought in and that's what you're going to use to access maybe in the post office to collect your collect, collect your payment. Um, over the years, anyone who's come into contact with kind of welfare in any kind of way was told, okay, you're going to need this card. So as that goes along, now in 2019, over 3 million people have this card. Okay, and as part of that process to get the card, something called SAFE2 comes up a lot. What is SAFE2? So SAFE2 is what the Department of Social Protection is. It's kind of a a level that they use to judge whether or not they're satisfied that you are who you say you are. So if you are SAFE0, as they would call it, they are not satisfied you are who you say you are. If you're SAFE1, then they kind of, you're getting along the way. Maybe you've shown some kind of photo ID or utility bill, anything like that. When you get to safe two, then you've kind of proven beyond their doubts that you are who you say you are. So that would be maybe passport, driving license and a bill just to say that you are who you say you are. So once you're safe two, then you can get your public services card. To be safe two, do you have to appear in front of them physically or can it be done through sending in postal bills or whatever well like the the, the the easiest way is just go to your local intro office you're told okay if you're applying for whatever oh go to your local intro office get your public services card so you throw up your queue up and you say here i am here's all my things i am who i say i am so that's the public services card and safe to dealt with but there's another thing called my gov id what is it is it another card okay so the the, the kind of rationale that the government used for the public services card is okay it'll cut down on welfare fraud and it'll also make accessing public services easier. So over the years, they wanted you to use this card to access not just welfare. If you want to apply for a driving license, if you want to apply for a student grant, or maybe you want to log into your revenue account. And that kind of all comes under the umbrella now of MyGovID. It's basically like an online website. You go in, you need a public services card to get a login. But once you do, you can pick and choose. Oh, okay, I want to go into my revenue or I want to go into my driver's license application. Okay, so we're clear now on how we go through the Safe2 process, get the public services card, 
get a login from MyGovID. We are now equipped to talk to Simon McGar. Simon, Sean mentioned there the public services card came in in 2011. We really have only been hearing about the problems with it for the past three years. When and how did those cracks start appearing? I mean, that is an interesting question because really it goes to the heart of how the government decided to implement this. And unfortunately, the answer is the cracks started appearing in this card when it started to affect people with capacity to give voice to object to it. So it started right at the start with people who really had no capacity to complain and were under the complete um, at the mercy of the department for as much as that could be possibly uh, done. So they started with people who were uh, in direct provision. And then they moved on to people who were wholly dependent upon social welfare for the full of amount of their rev- their income. And then gradually they moved it out from those large collections of, of people to other larger circles. But as they moved out to people who had more and more marginal uh, sort of relationship with social welfare, what you got was you were basically encountering the middle classes where they don't rely upon social welfare for the entirety of their uh, of their of their income. But at the same time, they would say, well, look, I'm not happy about this and I want to have some questions answered. And unfortunately, until the middle classes who have access to the media and who are the media have the capacity to say, oh, hang on about this, you don't really get those objections heard. So that's really, I think, what left us with that lead in time between it being introduced and between it becoming a story. What is the purpose? So like, to try and put on a, a government spokesperson hat. What was the initial purpose of the card? I think that the initial purpose of the card predates the card that we know today. And it was brought in by Seamus Brennan a good long time ago now. He's now he's now dead. What was his He was the Minister for Social Welfare in, I think, 2005. I think it was it was when when the first uh, piece of legislation was brought in. And at that stage, it was a white card with a picture of a flying dove and your PPS number on it. That was what it was. It didn't have a photograph. It had no biometrics. It didn't have, uh, you know, a, a tapping chip in it. None of that. I it have was, one of them. Yeah, I, I, I did too because I'm old. So they uh, they sent them to us when we uh, when we got our PPS uh, numbers. And that was the purpose of it was so we'd know what our PPS numbers were. And they were used where people would turn up and they'd be collecting unemployment benefit and they'd be swipeable with a magnetic strip at the back and it would just say, here's this person and here's their card and here's their number. It was a way of carrying around some useful information for people who needed to interact with the department. But it wasn't based on a uh, on a database which was being shared across departments. So really the nature of the card that we have at the moment dates from that 2011 decision to try and push it out and use not new legislation to create a new form of card, but to bootstrap the new behaviour onto the old legislation that was written for that white card. And so suddenly things that would be determined as your public services card which used to be in the legislation would have been your white card, suddenly meant this new card with all these new capacities and new duties and a new system of getting you into the database that was attached to it, the card being just a token of the fact that the state has brought you into the database. Sean Simon mentioned there the the stories that the media were covering once people started to, you know, have concerns about the card. What were the specifics of those stories? Yeah, there's, there's one that people remember. It was reported by the Irish Times. This is back August 2017. So it was about a, a woman. Um, she was pensionable age. She wanted to get her pension, but she was told it would be cut if she didn't get a public services card. 
And this kind of seemed I, like for a lot of people, it was the first time they might have heard, oh, actually, there's there's a problem with this. Like, what what's going on here? And um, there is a reporter formerly of this parish, Keenan Brennan. He followed this up quite a bit. And he looked at there was a specific cohort of people who were adopted who would face like enormous difficulties going in to get this card. There was one man who he spoke to. And when he went in, this man wasn't aware he was adopted. And whatever internal systems were at the local intro office, they couldn't find them on the system. And he was asked, oh, do you have your adoption cert? And that was the kind of way he found out. And it's just these kind of stories really resonated with people. And it kind of blew up into this kind of larger thing. And I think as well as Simon was saying, at the same time as these kind of controversies came out in the media, we were being told that, oh, you have this public service card for welfare. You're also going to need it if you want to get a driver's license or you're also need it if you want to get a passport in future. Sean, you mentioned Keenan's work there and I said in my intro about the calls we were getting um, from data, from the Department of Social Protection. It hasn't been easy for journalists to get information about the public services card. I, I think it's very common for journalists when they're trying to um, look into activities of the government that they're doing when they send in freedom of information requests. It's very often that there'll be obfuscation where oh, you need to reword that request or, oh, no, it's going to take us too long to process that. Oh, it might take an extra six weeks and might cost you hundreds of euro to get this to try and deter journalists from trying to like pursue it and get to the bottom of it. And that was happening like left, right and centre when journalists like Keen and myself and others from other publications were, were following this up. It was kind of brick wall delay tactics every single step of the way to try and find out more and more about the kind of rationale for why this card kind of came into being. Simon, what... You mentioned that it's a database attached, so that's held within Department of Social Protection? Interestingly not. Um, The Department of Social Protection holds it jointly with the Department of Public Expenditure and Reform. And this really is the key to what's known as mission creep, where we collect our information for one purpose and it could be actually well-defined and a good use of information. But then we say, well, now we have it. I wonder what else we could do with it. And that data sharing mission creep model is precisely embodied in the idea we need in order to give people money for social welfare we have to make sure who they say they are a a principle which no one would object to if you thought about for a second and so therefore we'll ask them to come in and show who they say they are again a completely reasonable principle and then once we have that information oh suddenly we're going to use it for this entirely different purpose not for proving who they say they are to the minister for the purposes of getting their social welfare, but for whatever purpose it is that other government departments, agencies or public bodies, and at last count, I think there were in excess of 150 of them, might want to use it for. And that database, which is run by Deeper, the Department of uh, Public Expenditure and Reform, uh, those uh, that, da- that database is the one that the DPC has found those uses aren't legal. There's no legal basis for them whatsoever. The uses to which welfare uh, has been putting this, there is at least a legal basis for trying to make sure the people are who they say they are. But all the extra welfare uses, all the uses that are happening in any other department, none of those have a legal basis. And that's what the department has, uh, the DPC has found. Yes, the DPC, the Data Protection Commission, Sean, tell us about their report and, and how this has all come to a head so recently. Um, so I think maybe if we bring it back a little bit. So in 2017, that's when we started to hear all these stories in the media about public service card and people are saying, oh, why do I need it for this? Why do I need it for that? Why is this person having such difficulty? Why, why aren't these other forms of identification no longer good enough? So the Data Protection Commissioner, the kind of statutory body that looks at these kind of issues said, OK, we're going to take a look at this and see what basis you have for, 
for doing all this? Why, why do people need this public services card? So they, it's been quite a lengthy investigation. So they started, I think it was um, in October, November 2017. They conducted it for nearly a year. And in August last year, they had a draft ready. They said, okay, we have findings. We think we know, we think we have a conclusion here. They sent it to uh, the government, the Department of Public Expenditure, oh, sorry, the Department of Social Protection. And they came back with a series of kind of responses. Okay, you've given us your findings. Here's what we think. And fast forward then another few months, we have the final report now. Oh, we don't. <laughs> the Data Protection Commissioner has it and the department has it. And when I was speaking to Helen Dixon, who's the Data Protection Commissioner, she said, our findings from last year are the exact same as what we have found this time. Everything the government told us kind of wasn't relevant. And what they've found, as, as Simon has said there, that there's no legal basis for them to ask you for a public services card for anything other than welfare. Simon, if they had that legal basis, would there be any problem with the card? Well, what we would then have is a national ID card system. That would be that's the reason that uh, I suspect they haven't decided to try and bring in uh, legislation for this because they had a natural experiment in the jurisdiction next door where they brought in what was known as a national entitlements card, very close relationship to our wording in the national Sir, uh, public services card. And they uh, and they said, well, look, we this is a, a, a an ID card by any other name. And the government there acknowledged... This is in the UK. This is in the UK. And the government there acknowledged that idea. And they said, well, we'll have to bring it in by way of legislation. And they had the, the debate. They brought it in by way of legislation. And it became a political issue. And the opposition said, we will destroy this database and we will cancel this plan if we're elected. They were elected and they destroyed the database and cancelled the plan. Why are people so concerned about the idea of a national ID card? Well, first of all, Ireland and the UK come out of a tradition which is, you know, it's a common law tradition and it's what's what you would term the liberal tradition, which is that individual freedoms should be imposed upon as little as is possible, except to the extent that it's necessary. So when I went off to work for a year in, uh, in, in Germany or over the summer in Germany when I was in college, every time I moved uh, rented accommodation, I had to attend at the local uh, town hall and tell them where I lived. We, we don't do that here. We don't have the state keeping tabs on its population to that extent. And having a, an identity card, I mean, it's been, it's been brought in in a lot of different ways in a lot of European countries. And you'll see that the, um, the government at one stage was saying, well, look, it can't be an ID card because we've never made it that the police can stop you and demand to see it. And that's the determinative uh, nature of an ID card. If that doesn't happen, it's not an ID card. But of course, a quick uh, trawl around the various ID card systems around Europe and Wikipedia helpfully collects them all up on one page uh, will tell you that that's not actually necessary uh, for there to be an ID card system in place in every country in Europe. It's been implemented in lots of different ways. Some countries have it where you have to produce if the police ask for it. Some countries have it where you don't, but you have to have it in order to access uh, services, etc., etc. The real question is, is that right for Ireland? And if we had that debate and if we decided to try and bring through legislation to bring in an, a mandatory ID card, I'd certainly be arguing that it's not good, it's not necessary and it's not proportionate. But on the other hand, I might win, I might lose the argument, but at least we'd have had the chance to have that public debate. Unfortunately, if we get to the point where we have a national database of identity, with biometric facial scan quality images kept in the database, 
we have everybody or next to everybody issued with a card and we cut off services to people who don't have access to a card, what we have done is we've brought in a national ID card without the necessary legislative grounds and without the legislative basis for doing so. And that's really the core of the DPC's finding, that that is what has been done. And that, that, that was one of the kind of um, points that the DPC wanted to drive home as well. It's that it's not only do we not think there's a legal basis for these things, it's that the government hasn't been transparent enough in how it's gone about it. As in, there's been very little in the way of public debate about, like, oh, I'm suddenly told I need this for all of these reasons. It's, it, it's, there was never any kind of, well, why? Why should we have this kind of card brought in? To some people, it seems logical. So to go back to the, say, maybe the initial purpose to make sure people who are getting welfare payments are the people that they are. Um, some people can reason out that logic even further and just think, well, I'm fine with having a public services card so I can use it. Why should they care that they're on a database that is being shared around government departments that they do need? So like maybe they'll think, well, this streamlines services or it, it means I don't have to give my identity three or four times. Is there a reason that they should worry about being on this database? Well, let's let's leave aside the question of whether it actually is more streamlined or not. And there, there's actually very little evidence to show that there is. But let's look at the question of what can governments do or st- state do when it has collected a large pool of data and it has not put any laws around what may or may not be done with that data. So we actually have, a, again, a helpful natural experiment running in the jurisdiction next to us, which is um, currently it's in the news that Boris Johnson's uh, and uh, his advisor, uh, Mr. Cummins, uh, Cummings, is it? Cummings, yeah. which we didn't uh, explain her on last week, if you want to listen back afterwards. You're, you're right on top of his, uh, his background. So he, they have decided that they want to have access to the data relating to the people who are accessing the government gov.co.uk portal and they want to have very detailed access so that they can use that for then pinpointing general election messaging. Now... Is that legal there? uh, It's illegal under the Data Protection Act and it's illegal under the uh, GDPR. Um, Whether that's going to stop them or not, I don't know, but at least they do have laws around the use of the data. Here, and and indeed the use of collecting data under gov.gov.uk is actually quite well defined. Here, what we have built is a database which is being shared with 150 plus uh, entities who are also collecting data and that can actually make amendments to it as well, can send the the changes back in. So you have like 150 data collecting entities as well. Quite the uh, profile that it will end up with. But you have a database with an enormous quantity of information, but we'd have literally no legal basis for it to be held, processed, shared, or that anything else is done, done with it. It shouldn't exist if there's no legal basis for it, and yet it's there. Now, that's over 3 million people whose data is on this, on this portal that 150 organisations, as you say, can 3 access. million people, some of whom are children. I mean, one of the striking things that happened, I mean, the government was under pressure to issue a certain number of cards by a deadline. Otherwise, there was going to be a penalty with the little plastic card printing company that they'd done the deal with. And so if they weren't going to pay the penalty, they had to hit, I think, a three million mark uh, by December 2018. And uh, and what they did was they um, started issuing cards, in some cases, without the people coming in and doing the... um, 
and doing the, the, the photo scan, they just use a photo that you'd got taken with your um, driver's license. And this is and this, sometimes they would do this in respect of pensioners and they'd say, well, pensioners seem trustworthy. And so we've made a decision. This is a low risk thing to do. Print card, send card. And uh, so there are actually a, another one they did was they started to issue cards to p- children in transition year print card, send card, and this would help them in the future. They were, and they only did it for the year where they were the under, the, under pressure, 2017, 2018, and then they stopped. And uh, so we have a cohort of Maria Safe 2, whatever that is. It's not a national standard as would be internationally recognised. It's an in-house suggestion that social welfare wrote for themselves one day. Um, and there is a third, there's another section above it, Safe 3, where they envisage eyeball scans and, and fingerprints. I don't yeah, know what they're going to use that for. I was going to ask about the biometrics that you n- noted earlier. Are there current biometric, is there biometric data on people in that 3.1 million database? Yes. Yes, unquestionably. Yes, absolutely. Yes, provably. Yes, demonstrably. Ask me if the, dep- the government will answer that question with a yes or no. What does the government, Sean, say about the biometric side of things? In the database. The government has, um, I want to say, fudged the question several times. They, they've, when they're asked directly, they will say, "Oh, we do not collect biometric data," but like we, we've seen kind of documents and like training manuals for public servants who use PSE that very, very clearly suggest that they do capture biometric data in the database. And what do we mean by biometric data? So it's defined in the GDPR in in Article Four, and what it is, it's a collection of data which would allow a person to be. Um, identified specifically as themselves by by virtue of their physical characteristics. And so there's a set of examples. There is facial imaging, a, a facial photograph, which is sufficiently clear and sufficiently detailed that would allow a, a, a software to recognise your face. Like from, going through an airport. Scan. Yes. And then there's also things like fingerprints. That's also biometric data. There would also be things like gait analysis if you're walked in a certain way. It's any physical characteristic which is unique to you, which would allow you to be identified. And obviously the one that we use most of the time, it sits at the front of our heads and we look at each other and use the recognising our faces as our biometric data system ourselves. Just to be really clear, because some of this stuff passes over people, if my face is on the front of my public services card, is that biometric data? (laughs) Yeah. And what I'll do is I'll read you the one sentence that defines what it is in the law and the GDPR. So this is Article 414 in the GDPR, and it says biometric data means personal data resulting from specific technical processing relating to the physical, physiological or behavioral characteristics of a natural person of which allow or confirm the unique identification of that person, such as facial images or dactyloscopic data, otherwise known as fingerprints to you and me. Okay, and so my face, if I had a public services card, is in this database? Yes. Okay, clear on that. And it's on the card. So probably the question that a lot of people have is, how are we so worried about this, and yet we give all of our data to Facebook and Google? So why is this more troublesome than us doing it voluntarily? Well, I mean, the issue is that doing things voluntarily is fine and being compelled to do things is bad, particularly if there's no legal basis other than consent that you can be relied upon. And uh, Facebook relies on your consent to process your data or they breach the law. It's one or the other. They don't have any legal basis other than consent for processing your data. And all their scandals in the last couple of years have been where they've been doing things they didn't have consent to do. Here, 
we have a system where uh, the GDPR doesn't allow states in the main to rely upon consent. It's not allowed. And that's because there's a power imbalance between a state and an individual. And it, the GDPR recognises that no consent that you'd get from the state under those circumstances would really be valid. And so it doesn't allow the state to rely on consent. So the state has to find another basis upon which it can rely in order to process your data. And typically the basis is we need it due to the law. But the law can't say anything the state fancies if they just pass any old law. The law has to be itself in compliance with European law. So it has to be the purpose for which the thing is being collected has to be necessary for a stated and prescribed purpose. So you've got to know why you're doing it and you've got to be able to show I can't do it any other way other than collecting this data. And it's got to be, even if that were true, proportionate. So if we pass a law which isn't uh, bound and the minister has cited, albeit due to loose talk, probably more than due to her intention, but she has probably given us out what the legal basis that the government claim they have for doing this. They haven't admitted it in public, but she gave an interview where she sort of dropped breadcrumbs as to what it was that allowed us to triangulate in on the piece of law that she's claiming, where she said it's the 2005 Act. And then she said it's subsection three. She didn't say which section it was a subsection of. And then she said, but it's only 23 words. Now, if we go and try and find where is there a subsection 3 in the 2005 Welfare Act that only has 23 words? Sure enough, it's about public services cards, the old white public service card. And it just says a body may ask people to produce a public services card. It doesn't say they may require them to get one. It says it, they may ask. They may ask and may require you to produce it. And the problem is, if you don't have it, that was never intended to be that it's now you can't, anybody can arbitrarily decide you must produce it because I've got this piece of legislation. If that's what the legislation means, then it's illegal because it doesn't it doesn't uh, doesn't meet the requirements under European law. What will happen to the card now, Sean? The Data Protection Commission has said there's no legal basis for it. There hasn't been an appeal yet. So, what what are the options? Well, it gets a bit murky there. So, um, 21 days were given for the department to comply with the specific direction that. Okay, you need to stop asking for these cards for anything other than welfare because there's no lawful basis for that. So as the as it crept towards the end of those 21 days, then the government kind of came out fighting as Simon said with the, oh, we have strong legal advice that we have a basis for this, essentially is what they were saying. But they're not appealing it. They're not, they, so far, they haven't appealed the ruling. So what will happen then is that, like as a statutory body, the Data Protection Commissioner has made a finding, a ruling essentially that, has to be adhered to. So what they they can do is issue an enforcement action where it's like basically like, we're telling you, we found this, you need to do this. And if the government wants to fight that then, then we're going to be in a courtroom. So are they currently still issuing public services cards? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And actually the Data Protection Commissioner was kind of saying, oh, this is not going to affect anyone currently who's been told, oh, you're going to get a social welfare payment. You're going to need a public services card. That doesn't change currently right now. But it should be the case if you're going in to get a driving license, say, and if someone says, oh, you probably should get a public service card and make it easier. That's just not the case. So with the driving license, um, we did see a U-turn on that. So initially you did need a public service card for a driving license. What happens now? So you can go in with any other kind of valid form of identification. And if you're told that, oh, no, you need a public service card, that, that shouldn't be the case. I'm not saying that you 
you won't be told that. But it shouldn't be the case that you, you are required to have one. Any other form of like kind of valid photo ID should should be fine. Okay. We're also looking at the same kind of backing away from the public services card. So uh, we've seen that in the passport office. It was just reported today that they're now dealing with questions of people who don't have public services card on an ad hoc basis. Maybe you'll get one, maybe you won't. Maybe you need to have one, maybe you don't. Of course, once you've conceded the point that it's not necessary, everything else falls apart. Mandatory or compulsory. You don't need it. Therefore, you can't be, it can't be proportionate to have it. Therefore, you don't have to get it. Therefore, there's no legal basis for compelling it to be produced in any other way. And then it just turns into another choice for producing uh, for proving your your um, your identity. And if people want to use it, fine. Or if people want to use their driving license or if people want to use a passport, as you say, it comes down to choice. This mandatory requirement, we won't let you access the public service that you are entitled to unless you first go and get a public service card, is where the real problem has arisen. Not to say that they're finishing up, as they are also currently advertising getting access to your maternity or paternity benefit and they're saying in order to get this through uh, online you've got to go through the mygov.id system so we're we're back to square one in relation to that and that's not from social welfare that's another department entirely that's the department of of children and youth affairs i think it's it's called, it is uh, but it looks like the government intends to just keep digging in respect of this and i think the stakes are quite high in that perspective so if as we said, there's going to be the enforcement action. Do they comply with it? Probably not. They want to see it in court. But if if a court upholds the findings of that report, that they are unlawfully holding the data of over 3 million people, then that leaves them open to all sorts of litigation that anyone who has this card can say, oh, you, you've been holding my data unlawfully. I can I can take avenues maybe to prosecute you or, or something along those lines. Okay, so this one is going to run and run. Thanks so much, Simon and Sean. Thank you for listening to The Explainer. This episode was brought to you by executive producer Christine Bowen, producer Aoife Barry and assistant producer and tech operator Nikki Ryan. Big thank you to Sean and Simon for coming into studio. I'm Sinead O'Carroll and we'll be back next week with a brand new topic. But in the meantime, check out some of our other episodes. Last time, we looked at one of Brexit's biggest players, Dominic Cummings. And also in the back catalogue are episodes about why we're being told to eat less meat and the background to the Drogheda feud. If you're enjoying these episodes, please leave us a review and rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you and catch you next time.